Hi, I'm Isity, and welcome to Let's Chat Cash, a podcast about women and their money. Each episode is a frank and open discussion with one woman about her personal relationship with her money. My hope is that by having these conversations, we can break down some of the stigma of talking about money and empower each other as women to take more control over their finances. This week's episode is a conversation with Toby Asari. Toby works in private equity research, an area, I'll be honest, is not really my forte. She explained what this role actually entails and the type of salary and bonuses people in this industry can expect to take home. She is also a parental leave expert and has recently launched My Bump Pay, an incredible financial resource for any would-be parents detailing numerous companies' parental leave policies. I picked her brains on all things maternity and paternity pay, why it's important for businesses, whether or not it's negotiable, and the pension gap and what women can do to try and bridge it. Stick around until the end for my more money section, where I share something from the personal finance world which I found helpful and I think you might too. Also stay tuned for a sneak preview from next week's guest, someone I'm really excited about. But first, I started off by asking Toby about her family's attitude to spending growing up. My parents came to the UK when I was seven months old, and so they they came as migrants, effectively. They were both pharmacists in the country where they grew up in. They both both from Nigeria. But they had to come here and retrain again, so you can't just transfer your qualification over here and start working as a pharmacist immediately, no. So they had to do their exams again. At the point that they did their exams again to qualify, I was probably going on two years old my sister was six weeks old when my mum had to reset her exams and in that period they were doing any job that they could find cleaning mainly my dad told me a story that actually during the day he was working as a pharmacy technician and um, during the night he was cleaning and one night he went from his pharmacy job to his cleaning job and forgot that he was still wearing his tie and they sacked him because they found out he had two jobs effectively and obviously he said that he didn't have two jobs it was a bit of a complicated story and you know he is a as a father and as a provider was panicking because he's thinking well I've got I've got bills to pay for for my family so that was kind of my family's kind of start if you like mm-hmm. in terms of finances and I remember kind of growing up them working you know every Saturday or Sunday kind of locoming taking any shifts that they could find as pharmacists um, to make ends meet so I mean they sacrificed a lot financially so my sister and I could have as much as possible they avoided credit like the plague they had one bad experience and after that they just said never again are we doing anything with kind of credit cards the only thing that they said they would do is obviously you know a mortgage mm. but they've worked really 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 hard they've done really well for themselves and, and are comfortable so I've seen it really evolve from you know being a family kind of in a small flat in southeast London mm. kind of my parents working all the time to now where you know they're kind of definitely on their way to kind of probably financial freedom um, and financial flexibility so I've seen a real a real journey um, and it's probably made me quite scared of credit as well. Having obviously, you know, family from, you know, obviously a different country and are there, do you find that there are like big kind of cultural differences towards attitudes to money, do you think, in Nigeria than here? Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah, I don't want to put stereotypes on on any particular culture, but Nigerians are probably known for enjoying money, (laughs) spending money, but we're probably known for our hustle mentality, doing whatever it takes to kind of 
make money obviously in a good way but doing whatever it takes to kind of make money ultimately to provide for your family and I think that's the where the real kind of cultural influence for money comes from and that probably governs a lot of my thoughts um about money but yeah I think there's a real kind of cultural difference uh, or there's a real kind of cultural attitude around money in Nigeria money is definitely something that's kind of celebrated there and do you think there's a bit of a difference between like you know how in England we're quite reserved about like talking about our salaries and like even talking about how much we might have spent on something yeah like is that different yes there? <laughs> <laughs> yes um there's a saying and I'm not going to pronounce it because I can't pronounce it and I'll embarrass myself but it's the saying is basically show them like show them what you've got <laughs> show them who you are by your status by your monetary status so yes it's but you know within that you have subcultures but the part of nigeria that i'm from um yeah there's definitely money is definitely kind of something that is like celebrated yeah it's definitely celebrated but at the same time it's again it's kind of it is about that hustle and that hustle is celebrated so a lot of my friends in Nigeria that are kind of still there and and family members they've got two three four six jobs you know they've got money coming in from from different sources because it's about okay right how how can I get to what I need to get to 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 provide for my family to make sure that they have the best that they can possibly have like even if that means that you're you know working in a market on Monday and then you're selling mobile phones on Tuesday like <laughs> they just do whatever it takes effectively um, yeah tell me what your job is. I work for a research company and we work alongside people that effectively invest money so private equity funds hedge funds and we help them make better place investment decisions by connecting them to the right people that can help them do that what is private equity what is private equity i hear these terms like private equity hedge fund i actually don't know what they mean um so private equity i guess in short they are funds or companies that effectively just look to buy other companies if that makes sense so they typically invest in private companies which are companies that are not listed on a stock exchange so they'll put a ton of money into a company buy it Mm -hmm. hold that company for maybe three to five years try and increase its value and they'll do that through maybe adding on additional services products Mm -hmm. countries all sorts of things um try and make the company really streamlined so therefore its valuation increases over that three to five year period and then at the end of three to five years they'll sell the company on Right, okay, so that's how they make their money. Yes. That's how these businesses make their money. Yeah, that's how so, private equity Okay, that makes sense. So in your kind of role within that, do you like sort of work with like the businesses or the people who are buying the businesses? So we work with the people that are buying the businesses. So we work with anyone that has money to invest and needs to make an investment decision. So those are our clients. Oh, cool. So do you have to be like quite, I guess, quite good with people? We've got to like build these relationships? Yeah, it's definitely. So my role is all about kind of building those relationships and effectively kind of making sure we have the relationship with the client to mean that we we make money from them um, as a business so yeah definitely relationship driven is it an industry that people can earn good money in like what would a graduate kind of expect to be starting on roughly yeah definitely people can definitely earn good money especially as you kind of progress but even at the entry level I think people can actually make really really good money starting salary wise well 
it's hard to say I know that when I started in the industry like quite a while ago I started on 22k and now people can probably earn in this industry probably that plus 10 as a starting salary okay so quite a Um, bit more so yeah and that's kind of without bonus as well so yeah people graduates can do quite well so you did law that's that was your degree what kind of uh do you need like a specific qualification to work in your industry no not at all i think you just need a appreciation of um investments and how they work uh you need to be able to understand what our clients are kind of saying when they kind of call up and say you know they're looking at xyz um not that they'll speak in kind of heavy financial jargon but you do need to understand what they're they're talking about but that just comes from having an appreciation of the financial world but you don't necessarily have to have a finance related Mm. degree people that are just curious um and have a interest in these types of things are definitely people that that would do well so do you have to be quite mathsy no not at all that's probably one of the reasons why i actually do do what i do (laughs) um well at least when i started anyway that was the attraction that there were no maths but as i've kind of progressed and evolved um and now kind of running a team and now running a portion of actually um the PL within the business yes i do a lot of numbers every single day excel spreadsheets and right. um, kind of looking at the business and targets and, and where we are and where we need to be and metrics and things like that mm. um so now yes but before no okay but you can like kind of cheat it with excel and stuff yeah absolutely <laughs> cool and you mentioned like bonuses so like do you like what so you could be earning like a start of quite low like 20 say 22 although that's not necessarily low it's all relative but Mm. like but then it could really be significantly bumped up even when you're quite junior yeah yeah so when I first started I remember that one of the biggest bonuses we ever got for me kind of being 22 was definitely kind of really generous so we had a bonus pool that particular month our director said, look, if you guys hit this target, we'll double what's in your bonus pool. That meant that we um, took away quite a bit of money that month. Can you say how much? (laughs) It was like a long time ago. Different. You're not even working there now. It was a long time ago. um, But that was 10 grand that everyone (gasps) stood to take um, at the end of that month if we hit that particular target. Yeah, I was probably about 22, 23. I can't remember my exact age. Okay, how did you not go nuts? Because if I was 22 <laughs> and I got 10 grand, literally, I I don't even know what I would have done. I probably, li- I think I, I probably just would have gone out and blown it or maybe holidays. Did you buy anything like fun? I don't think that I did. It came at an interesting time actually because I think it was just before I moved on to another role. So in my head I was like, well, I should potentially kind of keep this because I'm not sure you know what's going to happen with the other role and all those types of things so I think I kind of banked it and I think now looking back a portion of that probably went to some of the stuff I paid for for my wedding Mm. so like honeymoon dress that Mm. type of thing but that was loads later so you actually really saved saved that for a long time I was living at home at the time so yeah kind of living at home I I didn't really have that many expenses so Mm. I just just banked it until Mm. I I needed it really. Oh, that's smart. Okay. Would you consider yourself like a spender or a saver? A hundred percent. I'd probably say I'm both (laughs) if I'm allowed to. So I think people that know me know that I do definitely spend. That is definitely not a secret. Um, But I think people don't actually know that I actually do save quite, quite a bit. Um, Now I've had a child, I'll probably save less. Um, But as soon as I um, get paid, that is the first thing that I do is I move a chunk of my money out into savings. Mm -hmm. And I kind of move it into the different categories that I need. So even things like I take out my 
uh, lunch money and my travel money. I take that out, take everything out and then put what I need to into savings and then I'm left with kind of like my allowance for the month. So that includes my spending allowance and my living allowance. So yeah, 100% definitely spend. That's not a secret. <laughs> but I'm I'm quite particular about making sure that I, I am saving at the same time. Yeah. How do you decide like what is going to be your like what proportion you're going to spend and save and do you keep it always the same or do you kind of flex it a little bit say month on month I'm going to save more this month yeah I think kind of before having a child I was aiming to see if I could spend I mean sorry save somewhere around 40% if I could um that was obviously before having a child that was kind of my target and kind of my goal um so my husband and I have a goal of what we want to have saved at the end of the year so I always try and exceed that if I can to oh, beat him so, but... <laughs> I love it. Um, so that's kind of our goal so that's how I was kind of worked out my savings plan okay what's the savings plan mm. goal for the year and mm. then obviously divide that by 12 and that's wow. kind of how I worked out what yeah. I need to save every month wow okay and then what about your spending like do you I want to talk about that <laughs> that's more fun <laughs> um what what's like what well what kind of things do you like to spend money on are you like an experienced person do you like clothes fashion <laughs> you probably I'm, know the I know answer. I'm like I know you so um it's definitely clothes oh although kind of as I'm kind of growing and maturing I definitely appreciate the experiences I definitely appreciate the holidays I definitely appreciate being able to spend money on things that really have a lasting memory and a lasting value but clothes still probably wins yeah but then I feel like you're someone that I, I don't feel like you're so much of a like fast fashiony person like for all the time that I've known you when you have like a thing it's like it's like a nice thing it's like I don't know I feel like it's I feel like even when it I don't know I'm totally projecting onto you here but you tell me if I'm right or wrong but I feel like if you had like a bag it would be like you would think about whether or not it was going to be still worth something. Yeah, I think so. And the interesting point that you make probably on that and the bags is that actually when I was on maternity leave, I actually sold quite a few. Oh, really? Um, And I sold a few because they were just sitting there. And Mm -hmm. I felt like, actually, if I sell a couple of bags, I can probably put it into one really nice bag that I like and then maybe save a proportion of the excess that I've got from kind of selling these bags. Having a child makes you kind of change your perspective a lot. I got rid of a lot of stuff that I felt that I didn't need and thought, okay, if I sell this, I can put it into stuff that I feel would really last me. And then whatever I have left from the proceeds of the sale, mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll save it or put it towards something for the little one. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you mentioned that obviously now you're a parent. So what was the biggest kind of financial adjustment you had to make once you had your son? Ooh, for me, it was not earning money. Um, I had gotten used to obviously contributing financially to the household. And the big, big, big adjustment for me was just not earning anything. And that would get me down a couple of times. I'd feel really bad having to go to my husband and say, oh, well, we've got this coming up or I've got that coming up. You know, is it okay? And every time we'd say, you know, you don't have to ask me, like, this is this is our joint pot. Um, that for me was mentally really hard to go from, you know, contributing to the household to all of a sudden kind of being a detractor because I was now costing us money. No, um, or that's how I saw it's it anyway. That's how women see yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, so that was definitely the biggest adjustment for me, kind of 
yeah, not earning anything. And talking about maternity leave, you've obviously we talked about your, I guess, day job, but you've also got this amazing new side yes. hustle, side job. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so it's called My Bump Pay. It's a website effectively, but I really do believe it's a it's a platform. But effectively, it's going to be a hub for all things related to money and having a family. People can go on the website and they can find out information about, you know, exactly what is statutory maternity pay, how do you go about getting it, um, what happens if you don't get statutory maternity pay, what are the alternatives, um, and then the main part of it is actually reviews on different company maternity pay policies, so, you know, parents can kind of go on there and have a look, or people that want to be parents can go in there and have a look and start to make the right decisions that kind of work for them and their family life. Wow. So the way it kind of works is people can go on. It's completely anonymous. Mm-hmm. You fill out a survey about, I guess, what where you've worked. Yeah. And you can kind of say, this is the, the maternity and paternity packages that are available. Yes. And then you're behind the scenes, like collating those and putting them up yeah and so already you haven't you've only, i mean it's really new <laughs> but you've got some really big companies like listed on that yeah absolutely people who have been um you know really generous in terms of kind of sharing their experiences i think there's a real push um from kind of some pockets in the uk for companies to actually publish this and the reason being is that you know as a particularly as a woman but also as a father or potential father you know if you are thinking about taking a job or a new job you know you can't really sit there and interview and say oh and actually what's your maternity policy because there's a high chance you're going to get discriminated against and probably not going to get that job even though it's against the law to discriminate against somebody that's of childbearing age people do it and there are stats to show that people do it. So what we really wanted to do, what I was really passionate about, is actually giving people a way to still get that information and then make the best decision for them because I think it's the worst thing in the world to feel like you've got a job and you've got a family and feel like actually this company just doesn't quite work for what our family needs or requirements are. It's better that you find a job or a company that actually works for your family because then you're more likely to stay there for the long term. Mm, Completely. I think it makes so much sense. And it's weird because it's not really like top secret private information. This is all stuff that is, you know, within people's contracts or, you know, if you work somewhere, it's probably on your... I guess what HR portal mm. or something like that yeah. but yet for, as an outsider you, you're right you completely can't know and you would feel I would feel so awkward to ask that yeah. even I think from even if you've been offered a job from HR you still feel like well are they going to pass that information on if I ask this question like it's really horrible kind of situation to be in so I, I think it's amazing because yeah. it's like completely like lifting the veil yeah for perspective and it's not even like I guess even if you're not necessarily thinking about starting family immediately I guess you're hoping that if you work at this company you might be there like I don't know a good few years exactly and you want to like grow with them so yeah what's like the response obviously it's like literally brand new but what has the response been like the response has been amazing and it's it's not just about okay you the maternity policy in itself it's also about um people's voices about saying do you know what this company were absolutely excellent um so somebody wrote a review saying that you know they went through a personal tragedy um that was quite devastating for them for her and her family she didn't go into details about what happened but she said that her company actually offered her um counseling sessions and that was actually provided for 
paid for by the company um, as well as kind of compassionately but everything she needed effectively and she will forever remember them as an employer that was understanding and invested in her as a person rather than just kind of just just getting her time effectively so it's just been so powerful even today you know somebody said to me oh my husband works at x company like you know i can i can kind of help you out here as well hopefully it's not about people saying you know my company's awful and some companies out there are not great but for me or it's really about people sharing like the really positive stories so you know if you are talking to your employer about family matters you can say you know within our industry other people are doing really these positive things could we consider maybe taking that on and taking that approach um so the response has been really overwhelming i'm like trying to catch up with everyone and kind of get back to all the comments and feedback and stuff because we want to hear as much feedback as possible so we can really tailor it for what people actually genuinely need and want Mm, definitely it's like i mean it makes so much sense because basically it sounds cheesy but like knowledge is power absolutely if you have the information you've got more ability to make a decision and that's a really interesting point that you just said about being able to take that to your employers and say because people are competitive Mm. they're like they want to be as good as the other place so kind of saying look guys these people are doing it and just thinking about from i guess a business kind of perspective what do you think is the benefit for a company to make these measures to do these things to offer these you know great packages or working environments for their staff like often I feel like it's seen from the perspective of oh women are like sucking companies dry you know but what do you think is the I mean is there a business incentive is there a reason why it's good for companies to do this absolutely I definitely believe 100% it's a really positive thing for business to Um, to do I think there's so many reasons why Um, I think if you allow you know a woman or a man who's a father you know the time off to kind of be with their family I think you're effectively saying you know we're investing in you as an individual we really we want to partner with you for the long term Um, I think you're more likely to get an employee return to work which I think is a big deal you don't want to pay people and and it does happen people come back and say actually you know I'm I'm not coming back Um, so you're more likely to get people to return to work and I think also you're more likely to really kind of win people's loyalty Um, because people remember actually you know this employer's actually been really good to me you know the job works with me and my family therefore this is somewhere I want to stay and I want to invest in rather than actually I'm going to leave and I'm going to find something else that works for me and I appreciate you know not every company can afford to pay maternity and that's absolutely fine but perhaps it's kind of looking at policies or ways that you can kind of make your environment or your company kind of more family friendly and more and it's not just about women sometimes it's the man that's the main carer as well so is it things like you know remote working can you offer some form of salary sacrifice scheme if you can that allows employees to put their money towards childcare. there are lots of things that companies can do to make things a little bit easier for parents there's not just paying maternity pay so now you've been on the side of seeing lots of these reviews come in what was one of the best policies or like environments or something that you saw that you were like wow that would be amazing oh gosh i think one of the most extreme things i was really shocked by it's so hard there's some really good companies and some really good things out there so it's hard to say just one um but there was a lady that said, you know, she was still breastfeeding and not to go into specifics, um, but she had to take a work trip and her company actually offered to career her breast milk. That is um, insane. So that was the most 
out there thing that I'd heard. And was that um, in the UK? Yeah, that was a UK company. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Wow. So people are really kind of paving the way. Yeah. So she was really appreciative. This like really helped her. Absolutely. And I spoke to somebody else. She was in media and um, she had long hours, granted, but she said that two to four every day, they're encouraged, they encouraged her to go and take a nap. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's some really good things happening out there. Wow, that is amazing. So what about anyone, do you do you have any advice from doing research for my bump pay? Um, for anyone, if they are in that situation where they're going to interview, you know, are there things people can do to raise the topic in a way? I don't know. It's a really hard one. I wish we lived in a world where you could raise a topic um, and, and not be judged and not be discriminated against. Um, there are definitely some people that, feel very confident about raising the topic and I think if you are one of those people that feel confident about raising the topic hopefully you're one of those people that are willing to invest your time in a company in the long term for the long term effectively and I think that's really the position where women need to come from and saying you know it would be good to get an idea of what this looks like you know I don't know when I maybe want to have children some people do some people don't but it's just understanding is this a company that will grow with me as my life grows and changes um and that's really the perspective that I think is is beneficial but yeah not everybody has the confidence to necessarily say that because unfortunately there are some employers that um, that just won't hire you mm. and that's that's the really sad thing about mm. it that's why your site is so great because you know imagine if imagine if it, there was a world where it was all out there and you literally just could go and get all the information it'd just be amazing is maternity pay negotiable do you think what if someone's in a job and they they didn't know they my bump pay didn't exist and they weren't able to look up the company they're there and now they found themselves in a situation where they're pregnant like, could they negotiate? Absolutely. It's not saying that you'll you'll get something, um, but you can definitely go in and ask. I think state your case, especially if you've been with a company for a while, you've been a loyal employee, then there's no harm in asking. Um, there are some companies that write it into your contract that if you take payment for maternity pay, that you, that you have to return for a certain period of time. And if you're really in for the long term, then that might be okay for you um so that could be something that you negotiate in to maybe get a little bit more for your maternity leave or you know maybe you can't quite negotiate maternity leave but maybe you can negotiate a slight increase in your salary so that if you are getting statutory maternity payments they're based off a slightly higher amount the same with your bonus if you do get a bonus maybe you can negotiate a slightly higher bonus so that when it comes to um you know calculating your statutory payments your statutory maternity leave again that's calculated off of a larger pot rather than a smaller pot so things like that um you know if your company really can't afford to pay maternity leave you could look into things like called keeping in touch days so those are days that you can take to kind of keep in touch with your employer so those days you can go in for meetings or you can go and actually do a day of work and you get paid at your normal rate so maybe you can negotiate keeping in touch days and again maybe there are other things you can kind of look into so maybe it's a a tax-free contribution in in some way so whilst you might not be able to get the traditional money in terms of maternity pay there might be other things that you can negotiate Hmm, okay so there are different options so basically it's worth an ask at the very least definitely um i mean the worst that could happen is that 
you know, you get a no, but if you don't ask, then you don't know what you might have been able to get. Mm. Yeah, okay, good advice. So what about saving for your old age? Do you think about that? Yeah, I'm definitely thinking about it more because um, I've been reading so much, obviously, with my bump pay, so much about finances and, and women and their finances. And there's a real problem in the UK called the pension gap. Um, so finances, all things to do with pensions, definitely kind of at the front forefront of my mind. A lot of women also stop their maternity, their pension payments whilst they're on maternity oh, leave. Good. Yes, I've signed up to a pension scheme through my employer but I'm also planning to make some kind of long-term investments as well that I can hopefully hold until I'm of um, pension age and hopefully kind of release those when I kind of get closer to that age. So that's kind of the plan there. Yeah, so is there, I don't know, is there anything you can do when you are on maternity, when if you are thinking about paying your pay I mean is there anything you can do about that like what, what is the pension gap um so the pension gap as it's defined it comes down to women who maybe have stopped working but are actually looking after a child I think under 12 years old a lot of people don't know that you can actually apply for I think it's national insurance credits so the com- so the company sorry the government will actually contribute to your own pension plan fund because technically yes you're not working but you're still contributing to society in some way because you're raising a child um, so a lot of mums full-time mums aren't actually aware that that actually exists um, so you can apply for I think it's national income tax credits or something like that so that's kind of the traditional pension gap but I think there's this kind of implicit pension gap where women who probably go on maternity leave sometimes stop their pension payments because obviously maternity pay isn't that much they're trying to obviously get as much out of it as they possibly can so probably stop their pension payments and some people just don't take them back up again because expenses go up and childcare and things like that so therefore means means women are at a disadvantaged position from that perspective as well wow what about do you and your husband set any like financial goals and do you do like do you set them as far forward as like pension age or do you set them annually like how do you work that out together yeah so we have an annual goal that we set we kind of at the beginning of the year we say okay we want to have this much saved at the moment that's all kind of geared towards buying a house so that's kind of our immediate goal um and yeah we do definitely have long-term financial goals you know our long-term goal is to be financially free what do you mean by that? Because that, I think, is more of an American expression because I listen to a lot of American financial stuff, so I kind of get it, but I feel like a lot of people listening might not. Yes, absolutely. So financially free to us effectively means to have paid off our mortgage um, or mortgages and have some form of vehicle So where we're kind of getting money in, but we're not necessarily working for money. So do we have um, maybe investment um properties whereby we're kind of getting rental income or do we have businesses that we're getting income from but we're not actually necessarily working at nine to five every single day that's the real long term wow that's a big goal I love yeah, it yeah it's a, it's a big goal and we're nowhere near <laughs> that goal but I think the more you keep it at the forefront of your mind um hopefully somehow we can get something close to it you've got to believe it to achieve it yeah love it it's good to have big goals no I like it so okay that's big goal how do you break that down into like more like manageable ones that like impact your day because I don't know if I had such a massive goal I don't know if I don't know how I'd be thinking about like oh spending this coffee or whatever just like now 
that's a good thing. I think it comes down to our yearly our yearly goal. Um, so I think obviously buying a house is a really big outlay. So that's kind of our thing at the moment. I think post that, I'll be looking at, okay, we've got this yearly savings pot that we've got together. How do we use that in, in the best way? So I'm not saying this is necessarily something that, that we'll do, but it could even be looking in your community and think, if, uh, do you have friends that are starting really interesting businesses that potentially you could invest into, just small amounts? Or, you know, are there funds that you can invest to kind of long-term, just small amounts, but if you hold your money there over a long period of time, perhaps it will actually yield something more than kind of just holding it in a normal bank account. And then over time, could you then take the returns from those investments and then potentially put them into uh, a property that you can rent out um, and getting a property in a good area that always has kind of, you know, rental potential. So I guess that's kind of how I would look at it from a day-to-day perspective. So it's more kind of this yearly perspective and having this yearly pot, but not just savings for savings sake, saving to invest in something that hopefully could give you regular income over a period of time. And what does, um, like in terms of the more like emotional side, like what does those like bigger like monetary goals mean to you in terms of like, the more like emotional side because you could kind of get in the spin of just like saving for saving mm. sake and kind of accumulating wanting to like always have like more things but what what's it kind of really what's the definition of like not success but like what you really want from those yeah. investments I guess I think for me it's quite clear um and from I think for my husband it's quite clear he's quite He's quite a reserved and private person, but I'll say it anyway. And I think our parents have, both parents have worked really hard. And his mum in particular is so inspirational. Somebody who has, um, you know, never necessarily had the most glamorous job, but actually has worked really hard and saved really hard. She doesn't live in this country at the moment. She lives in Ghana, but she has done really well for herself in terms of now having, you know, the right types of investments that she's effectively, she is financially free so for us or for me at least you know I've seen what my parents have been through and what they've achieved um and to the level that they've got to financially and I feel like because they've invested so much in me and my sister you know my goal is not savings for savings sake it's saving so that I can do better than what my parents have done because of the opportunities that they've given me so that my child can do better than you know what I've done and that his children will do better than him and you know generationally you know we'll start to yeah start to be in a position where we weren't initially kind of coming into this country my parents coming into this country and not having very much so for me it's more kind of about that future generation and that future legacy Mm, interesting and what about so you've got a son now yes what are some like money lessons that you would hope to be able to teach him oh it's an interesting question I think uh, one of the big lessons is that your money doesn't need to come from employment. That yes, one employment is one way to make money, but you know, be creative and you can find other ways to be successful when it comes to to money. Um, you know, I'd love for him to go to university, but if he doesn't, it's absolutely fine as long as he finds some way um, to provide for himself and his family um, and be stable and not be in debt. 
I'll be happy. Just going back to my bump pay, I'm just thinking about that. What are your kind of big goals for it? Do you have big goals? What's your ambition? Yeah, I do. Um, really big goals, probably big, bigger than is realistic. Uh, the other day I was thinking, how cool would it be to write a book? I think the whole premise of my bump pay is because it's pulled from different people's experiences and um, the experiences of being a mum are so... I can't think, I'm trying to think of the right way to, to say this. Um, they're so unique to everyone, but yet every mum or parent can probably relate. And maybe kind of thought about, you know, mini letters from lots of mums around the world and kind of about their experiences, maybe with finances or or, or something like that. Um, just to really encourage people out there, because I think it's a really tough gig that people have and I think even from my bump pay it's kind of about growing this community so people feel like actually I'm not on my own in this there are lots of other people that are kind of maybe experiencing something different or sorry something similar so yeah there's a that's one crazy huge (laughs) ambition and another ambition would be to effectively have almost every single country company in the UK covered so that you know every potential parent male and female effectively has a resource to go to so let's try and get toby to hit that goal it's really easy to get involved with my bump pay i'll pop a link to the site in the show notes so you can check out other companies parental leave policies and most importantly submit your own review just click on the survey button to fill out your own anonymous review and once you've done that send it to a friend to do the same imagine how cool it would be if we could help bring toby closer to her goal of getting all employers to be transparent about their policies and empower parents with the information they really need Right, now it's time for my more money section. And this week I have not one, but two recommendations. The first is a little podcast series the BBC did back in the summer that seemed to go slightly unnoticed. It's called Economics with Subtitles and I found it really interesting. Each episode takes an economic concept and explains how it affects our day-to-day life. My favourite episode examines GDP and how one year a massive cocaine bust totally scuppered the UK's GDP growth. Why? Well, did you know that drug sales are included in our GDP? Take a load of coke out of circulation and our country's GDP plummets. Another episode looks at inflation and how Venezuela's hyperinflation has affected people's sex lives. you have to listen to that episode to understand how. It's a little bit cheesy because it's BBC4's idea of young people, but the subjects and contributors they have on it are really interesting and it definitely helped explain some big economic concepts to me in a way that actually made sense. Links as always in the show notes. Now, I didn't feel like I could bow out of this week without touching on the Grazia Money Diary article. For anyone who didn't see it, it followed a young woman who earned 40k, lived at home, but still needed financial support from her parents. Did you read it? Did it make your blood boil and your head shake? If so, then I recommend Daisy Buchanan's article for The Pool titled, Money is the last taboo and our judgmental attitude isn't helping. It's a great read and it gave me a moment's pause to my own initial reaction to this woman's spending. And if you enjoyed that article, then you will definitely want to tune in next week where my guest is Daisy Buchanan herself. If you don't know who Daisy is, let me fill you in. As I mentioned, she's a journalist and she's an author of the hilariously warm and useful book, How to Be a Grown-Up. She's a TED speaker, often spotted on Telly Debater and recent iTunes chart-topping podcaster. We chatted all things money, how she makes it, her previous fear of cash machines, setting rates as a freelancer and trying to get hold of decent financial advice. The majority of financial advice seems to be, I have £100,000 that won't fit into my portfolio. How can I gift it to my son without paying tax? Yeah. Or... 
have you thought about not having avocados and lattes? <laughs> yeah. That's financial advice and it's shit. I'm so excited to have her on this podcast. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss all her money musings next week. I'll pop a link to her article and her incredible literary podcast, Your Book, in the show notes. Don't forget, if you want to continue the money conversation, come find me on Twitter at Let's Chat Cash or head to letschatcash.com where all my other contact details and past episodes can be found. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please do give it a rating and review in the podcast app as it really helps other people to find the show. Cheers and I'll see you next time.